This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. Chris Nassetta, back with us, CEO of Hilton Worldwide Holdings, on the phone from McLean, Virginia. My friend, it has been some time. A lot of things have happened since the last time we sat down together in New York City. How are you? I'm doing great, Jason. Thanks for having me. Boy, what a difference about a year makes. I was looking back. I was looking back at my calendar the last time we talked, and, and sadly, it was about a year ago. And we were in the process of celebrating our 100-year anniversary mm-hmm. um, as a company. Um, that's quite a milestone. We, we were celebrating it in, in great fashion in the sense that the company was performing at the absolute highest levels in its history. We were growing faster than we ever had, innovating more than we ever had. We have you know, been recognized as the number one great place to work in the United States, the number two great place to work in the world. Um, and in so many ways, um, riding high uh, in that time frame, and frankly, up until probably the, the early part of March. Um, but it's a very different world, yeah. um, as, as, uh, as is depicted by the fact that um, I'm on audio and not sitting in the studio like I was a year ago with you. Yeah. So uh, I, ha- I hate that part, particularly as somebody that's in the business of movement and travel. But uh, this, this is our life at the moment. But, yeah, it's, a, uh, it's been an, an interesting few months for sure. Interesting to say the least, Chris. Last, you know, three months and also last almost three weeks here. And we want to talk about the state of the hotel industry and how you see it. Got to ask you about leadership, though, amid what's happened in uh, Minneapolis, um, the protests against racism. You know, we keep hearing we've got to have leaders step up, money talks, and whether, you know, who you work with in terms of your supply chain, who you give internships to, you know, that's how you make a difference. That's how you make, you know, you kind of move the conversation and actually move what's happening in our society. i got to get you to weigh in on this. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Carol, and thanks, and ni- nice to talk with you. I wish I could see you. Um, I'm saddened by everything that's going on, and this is something that, as you can imagine, in, a, in an industry and in a company that is incredibly diverse, this is, this is a huge issue. This is, diversity is not a new thing for us. You know, we've been focused in, in this area for a long, long time and, and been recognized for it. We're number two diversity, Inc., um, ranking in the United States for, for diversity. Um, but the reality is, um, as is depicted by what's going on, you know, right here in my hometown of Washington, you know, I could literally hear the protests going on from my house and explaining to my children, uh, two of whom, both in New York and Washington, ended up in the march, you know, to, to support their black friends uh, in, the, in this process. This is a sad day for America, and I think we've had many of these sad, sad days uh, over the years and in, and in recent years, and I think to your to your point in the question, it's high time we do something about it, that we not just talk about it, but that we act upon it. Uh, and that means that collectively, as a society and as a country, as we think about uh, reform, we need to think about this and we need to do something about it, including the criminal justice system. And that means each and every one of us um, that, has, that, that are leaders across a broad range of industries, we need to, even if we were, we were focused on it, and even if we were, as is the case with Hilton, recognized for it, we have to recognize we have never done enough. You know, given what is going on and what we're seeing, what is abundantly clear is there is so much more to do. And so like everything, for me, 
And for Hilton, it's about trying to be a constructive part of the solution. And so, you know, we are very, I've been communicating like crazy with all of our team members, including uh, our black team members all around the country. The stories I've been hearing are heart-wrenching, that they're pouring their hearts out about the impact, you know, throughout their life that racism has had on them. There's obviously no place in society, no place uh, in, in, in our industry and no place in our company for racism. And so as a company, as much as we've been focused on it, there is so much more that we can do at all levels of our company to create more opportunities for our black team members. And that means at the very top of the ecosystem, as we think about and already we're thinking about our board of directors, to the lowest levels of the company and to make sure that we're creating opportunities and a feeder system to to develop our uh, teammates in the in the black community in a way where they can have bigger and better opportunities. And so as I say, this is something we were focused on, okay, but I don't want to rest on our laurels and the fact that we were ranked number two. That's not good enough. I think for everybody, every leader, I think that the message is um, we we obviously have not done enough, and that as society, as business leaders, as political leaders, we need to use this moment to rally for change and not have it be like it has honestly been in a number of other cases in recent years where we talk, there's a burst of activity, and then we go back to, to uh, right. you know, back to where we were. Right. And so we're really focused. I mean, it has been, I have a call literally as soon as we're done with this. I have a uh, call with with one of our team members who sent me the most heartbreaking email about her experiences in life and just asked, I would like to talk to you. You and I met once. I just want to be heard. And so, uh, you know, I've been doing lots and lots of of those conversations to listen and learn. And I've encouraged all of our team, you know, take a moment, take a deep breath, like become part of the solution. And the first step in that is trying to understand it better so that we can help get to, to better better answers. Well, and Chris, this is obviously coming at a time when you are listening and, and thinking about your business in probably the most existential and holistic way that you ever have, and you've been in this business for a long time. If you think 30, about 37 years, believe right? it or not. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would I have said saying 15, that number. Right? Geez, did you start so when you were five? Old. What happened, exactly. Chris? No, I thank you, Carol. That's very kind of you. No, I didn't. I'm older than you think. What's all the, the gray, all the gray hairs that I that I have, and a lot more than in 90 days than I had uh, I had before. Exactly. What's the biggest single thing that's going to change about travel? Uh, I think. Here's the thing. I think, guys, when you wake up, and you may think I'm being a Pollyanna, and I'll answer the question. I think when you wake up in three years, okay, I think travel, it's hard to see it right now, like it was hard to see it after 9-11 in the, in the wake of that. I think travel and the experience in a hotel will look a lot more like it did 90 days ago than it does now. Okay, and now it looks like there's not many people in the hotels. You see people in PPE, um, social distancing, you know, unbelievable, you know, hygiene protocols like our deal with Lysol and the Mayo Clinic to provide hospital cleanliness standards, et cetera. Some of that stuff will will go on, and and some of it, you know, will will revert back to normal. What will be different, you know, in my mind is things that were already happening. 
will accelerate. Okay, so example, we've made, and we talked about it last year when we were together, huge investments in technology. And I'm not just saying it because we've made these investments uh, to promote Hilton. That's my job. But but I'm saying because I think it will be broadly what you find in the industry. There are things in, with technology, the digitization of of our business that were happening that were happening at a relatively slow pace. And I think many of those things will the adoption rate, the the expansion of the digitization and the speed of that happening will excel, accelerate like crazy. So example, we've already rolled out to almost every hotel in the world digital check-in, digital room selection, and digital key. So on your Hilton Honors app, you can have, you already could have had contactless entry. So for our Hilton Honors members, about a third of the people used it. Um, I, you know, when we have customers that are coming back in the hotels, you will see mass adoption of that. And then people won't go back. It'll be like a cash flow machine was, you know, 35 years ago where everybody, you know, once it got adopted, people realized, wow, this is easy. This is seamless. Why wouldn't I do this? You know, other technologies like how you run everything in the room, we call it connected room, how you run temperature, how you run lighting, how you run your audio, visual, um, all of that, which we developed in a proprietary technology uh, called Connected Room, and we're rolling out, not as extensively as Digital Key, you will see that demand for that and adoption of that uh, accelerate. I do believe you'll also see hygiene standards, while yeah, they were really right. good in the industry already, by the way. Mayo Clinic was 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 uh, sort of shocked at how good we already were when we when we sat down with them to figure out what to do. There's no reason why... You won't see those higher higher standards, but it's digitization will accelerate. Chris, um, Chris, I got to ask you because people are like, you know, tweeting at me and messaging me. I've got to ask you because you said it's going to be, you know, three years from now. Well, it'll look a lot like, you know, more like it did, you know, 90 days ago, right? Pre-COVID in terms of kind of the, the travel industry, the hotel industry coming back. But, you know, what what are you seeing so far? I mean, how robust a pickup in travel do you expect based on any of the advanced booking data that you're seeing? And I'm also curious it about is, about business it, travel. Yeah, well, I think, you know, there's three big segments in our business. There's leisure transient, business transient, and then group business. You know, the vast majority of our business, well, 75% of our business relates to business-related travel, either groups or business transient, and 25% of it is what you would think of as leisure travel. Most people don't think about that, but that's sort of the breakdown of, of our business. And what we're seeing is significant recovery, okay, but still um, very significantly off of any sort of historical standards. So I'll give you uh, put put some basic numbers. I think at the bottom, system-wide occupancy for us in uh, in 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 May would have been you know like 10 or 12 percent. I think if you look at it like last night, it's like 27 or 28 mm. percent. So it's two or three times better than it was. But to keep that in perspective, we finished last year with an average occupancy of almost 75%. Okay, so it is meaningfully, uh, devastatingly um, lower than where it was, but you are seeing a slow grind. And the way it's happening, which is fairly typical, uh, by the way, in other, other declines, it's leisure first, it's business, and then it's group. And right now, 
what we're really seeing is predominantly growth and leisure. So like Memorial Day weekend, we had markets near beaches and, you know, where people want to get out. We had hotels that were at capacity, lower capacity because of distancing than normal, but as much capacity as we could handle. But business travel has not really come back in earnest because yeah. most does, people still aren't back in their offices and allowing people to travel. Does it take like a year to come back business travel? Chris, can you put a number on it? I, I think it's hard to say, Carol. I, my view is, and I've said this you know, to a lot of different people, I think what you'll see is sort of a, a um, significant shift up in level of occupancy over the next 90 or 120 days, which will be driven by a lot of leisure, particularly over the summer months, and a lot, you know, in the U.S. and the and, and Western Europe, and and absolute uh, necessary business travel that as businesses start to sort of reopen their doors and bring people back, but it will be anemic. And then I think you'll see a slow grind out from there, and it will take two or three years to get back to where it was. A lot of people would you know might say like, we will it ever get back? It will get back to where it was. It'll get beyond where it was. But here's what's happening. COVID, and this is the statement of the obvious, um, but COVID was a devastating pandemic and health crisis. And sadly, a lot of people were sick and, and, and even more sadly, people died. But the impact that, that as a result of COVID that we had on the economy is going to be lasting, in my view. And so when you get through the health crisis, which we're not through, obviously, yeah. but yeah. working our way through, you're going to be in the middle of one of the, the toughest recessions that we've had in modern history. That affects business. Businesses are letting people go. They are not hiring any incremental people. They've cut capital expenditures. All the things that help generate activity um, around our business have diminished. They will all come back, as they always do. Okay, people are not going to Zoom every – they're not going to stop traveling and do Zoom the rest of their life. They're going to want to get back and see people and need to see people. But in the short – over the next, you know, sort of year or so, I think it'll be – I think business travel will be weak. And then I think it will sort of work its way back over two, two or three years. And the same with groups. I mean, right. congregating in large groups – at this point, you know, we do have people booking groups and we're, you know, we're getting right. ready to launch a whole program around how to how to do it really responsibly. But if like, conventions aren't happening, Chris, right? Like Jason Correct. and I were supposed to go to a bunch of things, just even something this week, There's a huge zero investment. Zero conventions happening, but they right. are going to start happening in the fall. They're not going to happen in the summer. They're going to happen in the fall. And that's going to be one of the other things that I think will be a lasting change is that people are going to be doing hybrid um, conferences. They're going to be doing part mm. physical, part virtual. And so one of the things we're doing is investing in this time with partners uh, and, and getting pipe into all the big hotels so that you can accommodate that. Um, and again, I would say when you go fast forward three or four years, I think the group business will look a lot like it did 90 days ago because we will have figured out COVID-19. I am highly confident either with the therapeutics or hopefully a vaccine based on what's going on. And people will feel like it is not an unreasonable hazard for them to congregate. And humans, here's the thing. You go back to the Spanish flu. You go back to all these things that were, you know, as devastating as this is. You go back and look at history where things were much more impactful from a mortality point of view. And you study it, and 
people went back sooner than you thought to their prior patterns once yeah. they felt that they right. you know, were in a healthy space. Not that it's the same by any means, but 9-11. I remember 9-11. I lived through it. I was running another hotel company. And we, I remember sitting around talking with our board. Nobody's ever going to get on a plane again. Why would they get on a plane? And right. we did. Year, and then we, and did. we did. They did. And but three years did. is a long time. That's yeah. a long time to come so, back. So, Chris, I, I, I do want to ask you about your employees and sort of the broader Hilton family, as it were, and, you know, understanding the way that you operate the business. There are lots of people who ultimately work for franchises and, and all of that. But, you know, right. they are they are Hilton folks. They have Hilton or, or one of your brands on their shirt and their or their cap. They're all part of our family. They're all part of our family, an important part of our family. And knowing how much the unemployment crisis has hit there, what do we need to do? What should the government be doing? What should we be thinking about in terms of protecting them? I know, you know, you've talked to the president uh, about this very issue. A bunch of times. And Secretary Mnuchin and I've, you know, talked to the leaders uh, in the Senate and the House and everybody else. And I would say, you know, I feel very good about our government's response to this. Uh, you know, they've worked in a very bipartisan way so far, you know, to address what I think have been the most meaningful issues. And that has been, you know, our frontline teams, not just for our industry, but, you know, for a broader set of industries. The people that can least afford to be impacted are being most impacted. And so my comment to the president to all the leaders um, in Congress was, you know, we, you know, there are really two things that I was that I was reinforcing with them. Well, that the first job is take care of frontline teams that are being impacted by this because they 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 will not be able to feed themselves, take care of their families. And so, you know, what's happened with the unemployment insurance top-ups from the federal government adding to the state. I think has been extraordinarily helpful. Um, you know, do they I need to the, extend that? Do you think, Chris? I think they need to extend it, and I think they will. But I think they need to do it in a little bit different form. You know, just in in the sense that, um, in in many cases, it is provided when when people when we want to bring people back on. It's actually, in some cases, provided a disincentive for right. people to go back to work, and so we need to we need to sort of right size it in the in various markets to make sure that it is not providing sort of that that incentive. But I think yes is the answer. The most important thing we can do for our frontline team members, though, is get them back to work, right? The, you know, we got to give them a bridge. And I want to talk about our owner community, too, which I assume you get to, but because that's the other big, big, uh, you know, block of things that I've been pushing uh, the administration on. But we, the best thing we can do is provide a bridge while there is no work, but get activity going again so that there is work and we can get folks back in, in jobs because that's what they right. really want for their self-esteem is not the government to take care of them. They want to be back and working. Our people love hospitality. They love their people serving people. They love what they do. And they're, they are not enjoying this existence, well, even if they're, even if they're, they're being helped to, to survive right. it. And the way to do that is to, re, which I've been talking, responsibly continue to open economies, make sure that we have massive amounts of testing, very sophisticated contact tracing methods, use social distancing aggressively, use of PPE until Chris, further notice. Chris, 
We only have a couple of minutes left. Tell us about the owner community, because I think this is really important, because we've done a lot of stories at Bloomberg about temporary people who are out of work becoming permanent work, you know, workers who are out of work. So what do we need to do to help those owners? Well, what we need to do, and we've been doing through PPP and Main Street Lending programs, which, again, have been really responsible approaches, but we, we need more access for the hospitality industry. We need the bridge of liquidity so that liquidity – uh, doesn't a liquidity crisis doesn't become a solvency crisis? You know, most of our owners are small and medium-sized businesses. They're entrepreneurs. Even if they have some reserves, no business is built for zero revenues. And so they have, you know, they can't keep their employees because they'll go broke if they do. And so PPP has been helpful in that regard, and the extension of it's been helpful, and the extending of the number of weeks it covers is helpful. But I think Main Street lending is going to be important, and I think ultimately we're going to continue to have to um, do more for the ownership community to provide the bridge, the liquidity to get to the other side. And then the next step is going to be, which they're working on early days, CARES 4, is how do you stimulate uh, you know, with, with a responsible system set up of testing and all the things to make sure it's healthy, how do you stimulate the economy? How do we stimulate mobility and travel right. in a, obviously a healthy and safe way. We're good. That's the next step is get the bridges, well, the bridge of liquidity, and then stimulate activity. Just got to say, you got to promise us next time we're going to be in studio when we do this, okay? Yeah, we got to. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Chris Nassetta, thank you so much, Chairman and CEO of Hilton. We really appreciate it.